You've entered the Celtic Centre with Adam, Brendan and Tim. This is the first Monday episode of our new weekly segment where we do live streams. You can catch us every Saturday and you can call in to talk to us, ask us questions, get our opinions or just to give us a bit of shit. And then you can listen back to it every Monday. So how's it going, guys? What's up? Doing pretty good, man. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Excited to do this. Yeah, I mean, it's been a quiet time of year now. Like, this is the worst part of the season, right? Yeah, I mean, at this point, too, it's kind of hard to, like, go going out and try and, you know, either produce material or start uh, writing stuff. So I actually did a little bit of stats digging today to try and look at, like, the Celtics overall as a rebounding team for the past six to eight seasons. Yeah, it's soft, dude. We haven't had a good rebounder since KG and before, and then maybe Perk. Yeah, so... Well, yeah. Well, so originally, Brendan, like when I was going in and looking at stuff, it, a lot of it had to do with Cantor and like how he statistically works out. So, like overall, um, for the season, he was sixth in offensive boards for the regular season. In the postseason, he was sixth in total boards, ninth in defensive rebounding, and third in offensive rebounding. The last Celtic to be top ten in offensive rebounding was Jared Sellinger in 2013-14, and the last Celtic to be in the top 25 in total rebounds was Kevin Garnett back in 2011-2012, and he was 25th. Overall, um, just for the regular season, total rebounds, Cancer was 22nd, and he was 42nd in defensive rebounds. And it, and as much as we talk about Al Horford's presence being missing on the Celtics, um, it's not in the rebounding aspect at all. So, like, in yeah. terms of, like, what their skill sets are, like, Al Horford is a really good big that can stretch the floor, and he's really good at playing defense on bigs that are mobile. But for rebounding, he's actually pretty terrible. Offensively, Horford was ranked 50th. Cantor was ranked 6th. Um, Al Horford was 61st in defensive rebounding. Um, and then I believe Cantor was 42nd. And the closest Celtic to him was Tatum, which was he was 40th. Tatum was 49th in rebounding total. So, I mean, like, the massive drop-off for the Celtics is, just, like, huge. Yeah, but Tatum's God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it, it, we are definitely going to miss Horford a little bit. But like you said, the no. rebounding for a while has been a real struggle for Boston. And Cantor's one of the best guys in the league at it. I, I just uh, – I'm really curious to see his defense. I, I'm really worried about the Celtics' defense in general. Uh, like I think that Jalen Brown has a lot of potential, but honestly has not been a great defender. Uh, he falls asleep at times. I think on ball, he's been nice, but off ball, there's been a little bit of a struggle for him. And yeah, it's like he loses interest. Yeah. Or just maybe kind of gets caught ball watching a little bit and loses <laughs> his guy or something like that. I, I think that he just doesn't, he just doesn't look locked in at times, which at least I think is very fixable. I think there's a very good chance that Jalen Brown can become a really good defender. Um, and then the other guys are okay. I mean, Kemba is going to be a little bit of hiding him. So maybe Marcus uh, obviously is going to have his uses there. But but Cantor, obviously, I mean, he's a great offense player, great rebounder. But if there's a pick and roll that we're having to guard and Ennis Cantor and Kemba Walker are the two guys in there, I'm pretty worried. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to try and in implement systems where they're using a lot of wings to try and help with that. But, I mean, a, a lot of their defense is going to re rely strictly on the perimeter. Um, it, it's not going to be like it was without Horford. They, they're going to have to learn how to change their system. But it, it also is just a matter of how these bigs fit together. I think Poirier is going to be a lot nicer than people expect. I think defensively. Um, he's going to add a different dimension that they really didn't have. I mean, he's not going to be on Horford's level, but he's going to be a lot faster, and he's certainly a better rebounder. I mean, in 34 games, he was the EuroLeague leader for boards, and he had 282. I mean, if you project that out over 82 games, and granted, that's with him playing about 21 minutes per game, you're looking at him potentially being 19th in the NBA. And I mean, it's, it's hard to translate that over from EuroLeague to NBA. I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, a smooth transition entirely, but I mean, you're playing against, you know, fully grown adults over there. He's 25, he's seven feet tall and he's got good bounce to him. He's, you know, he's no small fry. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that really shocks me is that this is in his first attempt at the NBA. He was in the summer league with the magic. I think it was back in 15 or 16. 
didn't. He was with the Nets too at one point too. Yeah, he just didn't impress, dude. But it feels like if you look at pictures of him then to now, it feels like he just needed to fill out that frame. Like he yeah. was getting, just so he's not bullied playing against them trees because it's one thing being big. Oh, and by the way, what up, Cody man? Hey, fellas, what's going oh, on? It's good, man. <laughs> but um, yeah, it feels like you can get. <laughs> he needed to fill out that frame to be effective. Now, obviously, did you see that bit where Cantor said he wants to try and develop a free to try and alleviate some of the stress from the guards? Yeah. So that's going to be helpful. I mean, if he can follow a Brook Lopez-type trajectory. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's a little bit of an outlier going to that extent. But I think that he has a stroke. I mean, he's got a mid-range. There's no reason you can't back it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as... But what I'm saying is being in a in a system that forces you to be able to shoot threes, if he can become respectable, like, you know, I'm not saying I want you to be a 40% from free guy. But if I mean, yeah, Aaron he, Baines hit threes, man. Yeah, yeah he did. He, yeah, he did. Yeah, they he looked did. ugly and they were slow, but like some of them yeah. went in at a pretty good clip. <laughs> and these right? Because then that you have to it keeps the guys honest on the on the defensive end. And I feel like the one thing I do feel like is asking a guy like Kanter to stretch out to the three is you're kind of removing what he gives you because he's so good at offensively rebounding. Which might be a change in like perspective too. Like they might have him out on the perimeter sometimes, but I think that depends on like what lineup they're kind of trotting out. I think you're right in that regard. I think the big plus that he's going to give you is a bunch of second chance buckets because he just gobbles up offensive boards. Like a beast, dude. I'm going to start calling him the board hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, what's your take, man? We know that you're going to miss Aaron Baines. I'm definitely going to miss Aaron Baines. Really, I'm gonna. I already do miss Aaron Baines. Um, the one thing about the Celtics defensively, and as we've, I just got in here a couple minutes ago. So yeah, I was talking about you know Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Defensively on ball, we have some of the best on ball wings in the league, let alone in the East. Uh, defensively down low, we're definitely losing a huge piece with Al Horford. I wouldn't be surprised if defensively we play super aggressive at the perimeter, and Brad just says Marcus Jalen go crazy. Play the passing lanes, take risks, be aggressive. Because if you think about this, we have, if Rob Williams gets more minutes this year, which we're all expecting him to, and if Poirier comes in and kind of carves out a sort of what Daniel Tice's role was his first year, where he gets those 12 minutes a game, and from what I've heard, he's more of like a rim-protecting, rim-runner-type big, correct me if I'm wrong. If you just are aggressive on the perimeter, you can generate steals, generate quick offense, and if you mess up, that's they're attacking the rim, and you have those. That's their strength is the rim protection with Rob Williams and Poirier. So they kind of play off each other in that regards, where we don't have that sol- uh, solid defensive presence down low. We really don't. Cantor Cantor is not good to awful defensively. Uh, and then, like I said, Rob is just young, and he, you see him get out of position, and defensively, he's not where we want him to be. And like I said, I'm not really sure on Poirier. From what I've heard, he's a you know a good rebounder and a you know rim running big who protects the hoop. I, I turn Jalen loose, turn Marcus loose, create havoc back there, and if it messes up and it backfires on you, okay, you're gonna have some of those moments, but you're going to also generate so like just. Quick offense. Yeah, I was talking to Keith Smith the other day, and he was saying that he thinks the Celtics will do a lot less switching. Like last year, it was switch everything. And I think Horford was a big part of that, and really your only liability really being Kyrie. And even then, I thought that Kyrie actually did a good job on defense when he when he wanted to at certain points throughout the, career, uh, the season. Uh, I, I think that there's a good chance they switch a lot less, and you'll see, like, why would you want... Uh, Cantor or Kemba to be switching on the guys. If you have multiple sort of liabilities on that end, you're not going to be uh, throwing them around on a bunch of different wing players or anything like that. Yeah, but it is the transition from less switching. Does that mean they're going to be playing, you know, more man coverage, or is it going to be switching into like a zone coverage? Because a lot of zone defenses have like given the Celtics problems. 
Yeah, I, I think of mainly a pick and roll is what I, what I was thinking is if you were guarding a pick and roll that it would be more so you'd rather have Jalen or Marcus try to fight through the screen rather than just straight switching and then Horford can guard him, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, maybe our bench unit is actually possibly better defensively. Like if we're thinking that Marcus is going to be in that bench unit and Panther might be starting. Yeah, yeah. I, we, we talked about Poirier, Grant Williams, we know is a super smart defender, Shemi Ojale as the three, like our bench, we have some defensive depth a little bit. Don't forget Tice as well, we're going to be able to get rebounds Yeah, like Mr. Tice. Yeah, smart I'm looking player, forward optimistic to... dude, like, I feel this team's being slept on a little bit, and that's fine because that's a Brad team, but I'm really intrigued to see how, how he schemes now, because as long as he's been in the league, he's never had a rebounder. So, watching how he schemes now and how he uses these big men, these rim runners, we might see a different type of basketball completely to what we used to from Brad Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little scared with Tice a little bit. Um, I've been, as when Al went down for that little period of time, and then, you know, Baines was dealing with some injuries for all last year, Tice filled in for the majority of those backup and starter minutes, and... When he plays more than like 12, 15 minutes a game, it seems he gets outworked really quick. Uh, he gets bullied, muscled. If he plays that 10 to 12 minutes and you use him in those spurts, I think he's really, really good. But getting extended minutes um, against some of the better uh, centers, I remember right around Christmas time when we had that uh, Philadelphia and then we played Houston and we had that little stretch of games. He got murdered by Embiid, and then he got body bagged by Capella, and then he got destroyed by Whiteside. And the, those three, I mean, Embiid's the best center in the game. If you count AD as a center, then he'd be the second best center in the game. But the other two centers are very challenged offensively and don't have much, and they were just bullying Tice. And, you know, it's going to be hard for someone to really play a solid 25, 28 minutes a game at center when each of them has kind of a glaring weakness yeah i think i think a lot of it's gonna be a lot of this falls on brad's shoulders to kind of figure out how all these pieces fit together um as brennan was talking about i think it's gonna come down to a fundamental change in how this team plays defense not just as individuals but as a team unit um they're gonna be relying more on guys to run the floor guard the perimeter. Um, it, I think primary role, the big men is just gobble down boards and run in transition. You know, while it stinks that they're not going to have one of those classic rim protectors, um, how many guys can protect the rim and run the floor really well and are fall, you know, falling into like a top five position in terms of rebounds. Like there's, it's not too many guys that fall into that elite category. Um, and that's going to hurt the Celtics in some regard, but they're still going to have rebounding there. It's just a matter of figuring out how those pieces fit together. Um, going against a guy like Embiid or Yanis here round or in the playoffs is just going to suck either way. Um, but it's going to fall on Brad's shoulders to figure out how that's going to, you know, work out in the playoffs. I don't think the roster we've got now is the roster we see in the playoffs anyway. What do you think of like a trade? Yeah. I feel like the way the roster's constructed with contracts and stuff, there's so many tradable assets that are on short-term team-friendly deals. Cantor's one, Tice is another. To a lesser extent, Marcus Smart, I feel like if it was for a bigger name guy, then he's going to need to be part of the deal for a sweetener. Jalen Brown's on what's technically an expiring contract. If he does... If we don't feel like we need to, we're going to want to extend him, maybe they start looking at moving him and throwing in one of these other contracts as filler. You've got a few picks that you can move around as well. I feel like the roster we've got is probably 70% likely, uh, it's 70% likely that the roster we've got isn't the roster that goes into the playoffs. I don't know if you guys agree, but that's kind of the mentality I'm going with at the moment. I think that it could look pretty similar um, if if things are going well. I think that a lot of it probably rides on Jalen, like you said, that if they're happy with Jalen, that you keep him around. But 
Danny's definitely not someone to let an asset walk for nothing. So if Jalen's not going well, the one I've pushed plenty of times is Miles Turner. I think makes sense for both teams, um, something like that. But uh, so, yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I think that Jalen's the one that makes sense to me there. And I mean, there's always a player that gets disillusioned with where he is and wants a trade. Or there's always somebody that you don't realize is available that during the season they get made available. And then that's why I feel like there's going to be something. If, even if we, a trade doesn't come around, there's going to be some chatter. Somebody somewhere is going to become available. It happens every year. Yeah. It's really hard to not get like wrapped up into the hype when it comes to like trade talks. There's always someone, as you said, becomes available and it just becomes this massive. I feel like it's a huge distraction. I mean, that's kind of what happened last year. Well, it happened with AD, you know, like it happened with the Lakers and the Pelicans, just a lot of drama, even to the Celtics to a point. But a a lot of that was, you know, kind of, hampered back because of the fact that we had Kyrie Irving. So unless you're going to deal him straight up, there's no way you could acquire him. Um, I mean, Miles Turner would make me very happy. Um, I know another name that isn't a big that probably going to be available at some point is Bradley Beal. Um, his contract extension talks came up and he's really hesitant to sign anything. And who can you blame him for? Because Washington really has done a terrible job in building the past few years. Um, but I hope at the same time the Celtics just don't let guys walk for nothing. Jalen worries me. Um, we'll see if they get an extension off the ground before the season starts. Um, I mean, they didn't have one with Marcus Smart before, and they ended up working it out. But Jalen worries me more because you're going to be dealing with Hayward, who's got a fourth-year player option, and you've got Jalen restricted free agency where a bunch of teams are going to have a bunch of money to spend, and who knows, maybe they just go out and they hard cap the Celtics by having to try and keep Jalen on a big contract. And I don't, I don't really know if I'm ready to sign him to that. I don't know. It just depends on... I feel like... I mean, Cody, what do you feel like this? I feel like how he plays during the first quarter of the season depend, kind of points you in the direction whether he's going to be staying. Because you've got, I think... You've got Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown all up for contract renewals within the next two seasons. Do you really want to use the majority of your cap on those three guys? One of them's going to have to get cut loose. Yeah, there's there's going to be a, a decision that's him had to make front office wise. Red Sox president of operations Dave Dombrowski always says, through forty games of the season, you know what you have as a team. So that would translate to around twenty games in a basketball season, twenty five games. You know what you have. And I've, I've said this for, for Jalen. I, I really do like Jalen. I think defensively he has a lot of potential. Offensively he's shown he's, he's exactly what you want to pair up with a Jason Tatum if he breaks out into a star, a very a high quality spot up shooter who can space the floor and has athleticism to get to the rack. I think he doesn't have to be the offensive star that he's, you, you saw him try to be in the beginning of the season. And a lot of the beginning of the season stuff, it was a lot of stuff we had to figure out and a lot of issues. So I don't really blame Jalen for that. But like Brennan said, if Miles Turner becomes available, I probably, you probably pull the trigger there because you have some decent pieces at the center, but are any of those guys going to be starters in their future? You know what you're going to get a Miles Turner. An all-NBA defender at least should be an all-NBA defender who can space oh, yeah. the floor a little bit and does have some offensive potential. I really liked uh, Miles Turner when he was coming out. I think that was the year we drafted uh, that number 12 guy. Um, that number 12 so, guy. <laughs> that number 12 guy. So is this a make-or-break year for Jalen? I've, I've been saying this is the year where we try to see our the, those role players we've been grooming for the last few years. We, this is the year where we figure out what they're going to be. I know, Brendan, you've been high on that fourth year breakout player type year for Jalen. If that happens, awesome. Dope. Will he get 20 million, 25 million if he has a good year like that? Sure. I'm okay with banking on Jason and Jalen for the future. I'm okay with that. But like I said, if you don't see what you want to see from Jalen, which, if he continues to struggle defensively off ball, like Brendan was mentioning, and he regresses a little defensively, and you think you can get a way better player in Miles Turner, as a not a better player, but a better fit in Miles Turner, I'd rather have Miles Turner yeah. on this team than Jalen Brown. 
go for it. I mean, they're both young. They both have potential to be something good. It's not like you're losing a trade. I mean, you'll probably give up a an All NBA defender for someone who has the potential to be one. I've always been a proponent of get what you can't, what you know, instead of banking on the future or banking too heavily on the future. So yeah, that's yeah. that's my two cents about it. One thing that I'm curious to watch with Jalen is what do we think the starting lineup will be? Like Marcus is so big, and we know that. Like I, I honestly want Marcus on the floor for 48 freaking minutes. He's just the most yeah. impactful player that there is, but. It's the same thing as Jalen. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe you could think of Gordon coming off the bench. Tatum's your four. Jalen's your three because Kemba is definitely starting. Um, I, I just don't know. Like, I, I don't think that Jalen, uh, that type of money that we think that the player he could become, a $20 million player, which I think that he thinks he's worth already right now, which is debatable. Uh, do you really want that coming off the bench? Like, I, I think it's going to feel a little bit more like, and I guess it, who starts doesn't necessarily matter. It, it's the minutes you get and who closes the game, really. Right. And I would guess who closes the game. I would think that we're going to feel kind of the uh, Isaiah Thomas thing before with Kemba Walker. I feel like it, it's going to be really similar there where if it's an offensive possession, you try to have Kemba out there. And if it's defensive, you try to switch him for smart, which obviously you don't get a switch every single possession. But I think the the battle between Jalen and Marcus is going to be really interesting. The thing to think of as well, which is the one one thing I've said multiple times, is there's a lot of teams, there's a lot of teams that are gonna have cash that uh, and it's a really poor free agency class coming up. Teams are gonna throw money at him just to see whether the Celtics will match. That's true. The one team that I've been uh, thinking of a lot is Cleveland's gonna clear up like sixty million in space. They'll have two max spots. And why would they not just overpay this guy when they have nothing else going on? Like him and Sexton together would be fantastic. That's the thing. They're both so high energy. Yeah, they don't have any wings like that. I mean, they have Chetty Osman, but... (laughs) And he's got New York as well, dude. New York can clear up cap space at the drop of a hat because their contract's are such a position to do so. But do they feel like Jalen Brown's going to be the answer? They probably do. <laughs> I mean, it's the Knicks, man. Like, look at all the contracts that they just signed. I don't yeah, know. Can Jalen Brown play power well. forward? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all they want, power forward. But it's true that I feel like, and obviously we're not experts here, but if I was running another franchise and I saw a guy like Jalen Brown was available and I had the money, I'd put an offer sheet in just to see whether the Celtics want to match it or not. Because it's all well and good saying we're going to re-sign you. We saw it with Al. We all thought Al was going to re-sign this year on a team-friendly deal. It didn't happen. But we took that for granted so much. Money we talks really to, did. Yeah, money talks to these guys, dude. Look, I mean, loyalty is one thing. But if, if Boston is saying we're only going to pay you 20, 22 mil, and in New York or Cleveland or someone coming, like, we'll pay you 28, 29 mil. <laughs> Which I mean is an I, overpay, but like like we said, I a mean massive overpay. Got, but if yeah, they got nowhere else to put it. Like, or if you it's believe in potential, for what he is now, yeah, it's overpaying for the player he is now. They're banking on he develops into yeah. a player where that's a, a reasonable contract. Well, all these restricted guys next year, uh, like the top ones, like I think of like Buddy Heald, um, who's most improved player, Siakam, Jalen, Kin. Yeah, can legit go into free agency and be like, I am the best guy on the entire market, which is a little bit of stretch probably for all of them, but they all can try and make that argument and be like, listen, somebody is going to pay me if you don't. Yeah, and it's not just I am the best guy on the market, it's I am the guy that could become the best guy from this free agency class this year. And, yeah. And that's where the difference comes, like... If you're paying Jalen Brown 28 mil, you're overpaying. But if Jalen Brown turns into who he's meant to be and who we all think he can be, then now you've got a really good deal. Yeah. And Jalen's always been my guy, but I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to lose a little bit of hope here. Like maybe, I mean, last year was a very weird situation, but his defense hasn't progressed like I hoped it would. Like it, it feels... Like, I felt like there was a jump year one to year two, and he had that really big year two, obviously. But uh, I don't know. I, I just like little things like that, where it's like that really shouldn't be reliant necessarily on the rest of the team of just Jalen's individual things. I This is a really make or break year for me. 
I'm sure it is for him too, because as as we've been talking about, you know, he's going into restricted free agency. This is really his moment to prove not only to the Celtics, but to the league, you know, I'm worth the money. And he's, I mean, he just saw what happened with Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier had a terrible, terrible season. And he's still getting paid like a (laughs) chunk of money. In his his defense, you know, it was a sign-in trade. And literally, Charlotte wasn't going to be able to sign anyone else. And they needed a point guard. And he at least is going to garner some kind of interest from the public. He kind of has that, you know, crowd following, I guess. But Jalen's got a chance. Yeah, I mean, like, Jalen's got a lot of opportunity to really either fat, fat, in his poc- fat in his pockets next summer or completely s- screw it up for himself. So either way, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out, especially when you look at the Hayward situation too. And that's really like the main thing besides the fact that like, who are you going to play at the two spot? Are you playing smart or are you playing Jalen? But you know, you've got another wing on your team that's getting paid max money, and in the next two years, you got your yep. two best young guys who you have to worry about paying at the same time. So it's going to be really interesting how it unravels. Definitely. Yeah, and I think Gordon's a guy that's really being slept on in all this. Like, it's very easy. Actually, uh, even when I'm naming the roster sometimes, like, I, Hayward is usually the last one I list. I tend to forget him about forget about him a little bit and there's a chance that's that, racist uh, oh, what <laughs> what <laughs> mouth, leave dude. the white guy out wow sure you sure you like the king <laughs> all right so uh <laughs> yeah but i think that paul george took two years to really be back you know like people have been saying that i know people forget that oh gordon and you say this cody people forget gordon had a surgery like God, what was it surgery? two months before the season right started before the season started man and people expected gordon oh i can people don't listen man That's tell them cody Just, all right you ready you ready you hear the knuckles cracking Dude had a traumatic injury, trauma that doesn't go away. I mean, you like I'm not trying to. Okay, I'm not going to say that because that's into dangerous territory. But when you have a traumatic event, no matter what age you have it in, it's going to linger. Every time he goes from the paint, he's going to see the play where his foot is dangling off his body. That's going to take a little bit of time to mentally so go that. All right, so yeah, every time he jumps, I scream. I got yeah. hit like three times by my RA at school because I'm just screaming out of nowhere. And look, he he in two months you saw him go back to the basket, and people forget like his game was the pull up. Like people, are like, oh, he's pulling up, he's scared to go in the paint. That's what he does. He's a shooter. I mean, that's what he does. Yes, he yeah. didn't do it as much. He is more athletic. People give him credit for, but his foot almost fell off. Like, give him a little bit of a break. Plus, you have the extra surgery. He never really had time to recover. He didn't have... People forget, Paul George had that whole entire year. He came back for, like, two weeks. Or, like, a month or wherever he came back in, like, late April, March. And then he had a whole other offseason to prepare and do this and do that and do that. And Paul George is a better player than Gordon Hayward. So, yes, it's going to take a little bit of time. What we saw at the end of the year from Gordon, I think that's what we're going to see this year. And even though that might still be like not quite Utah Gordon, and is it going to be worth thirty million? No, but it's not going to be an, a liability for like it was the first three months of the season when we had Gordon really going. He was shooting well. He was getting to his spots. He was setting other people up. He was just playing good basketball. He'd have games where he'd only shoot two or three times, and he had games where he he had two thirty point games. He had that game winner. Uh, Black Eye Gordon strikes again. <laughs> I mean, we saw the glimpses of what he can be, what he can bring to that team. I think this year he has a full year being rest rested. I mean, I was I was talking about potentially just sitting him out and giving him that rest at the end of the year and not forcing it, and just like strike that year off as a as a rest year. I mean, and then do it like that. You don't want to ever force anything um, that you don't need to. And I feel like this year he's going to be fine. I think you should start him off on the bench to really see if that is true or not. Cause you, you never know. He could struggle again. Start him off on the bench. If he's do- doing well, I could see him being in the starting lineup and you play one of uh, either Jalen or Marcus, depending on what you want to do 
They have a player like Carson Edwards that could run that second unit, depending on how many minutes he gets off the jump. But if you don't, you have Marcus Smart if you want to use him off the off the bench and run the second unit. You have Gordon who has the ability to run off the second unit. Yeah. You have these options, um, depending on what Romeo Langford is, have the ability to really run the offense, but he played a, a heavy ball-dominant slash, kind of even kind of like a point guard role at Indiana if you want to try to develop him in that way of his career, or at least for the beginning of his career. So you have options, and I just feel like people are shitting on Gordon because, oh, $30 million, he has one foot and scored 11 points per game. Ho, ho, ho. He's going to yeah. be good. I mean, will he score? I think he's going to. I said on my hot take, I have him getting 20 points per game. That's a little bit of a hot take. If he averages like 15 points per game on really good shooting splits, that's perfect. Is it worth 30? No, I don't think he'll be the same player. But that, that you can't help that. We didn't sign him after we hurt his leg. That's just what my have to say about yeah, it. I People... hate how much hate he gets online. Off Celtics oh, fans, bro. It fucking infuriates me. Did I just upset everybody all in one go? Yeah, so it really pisses me off, man, the way people are with Gordon Hayward, especially Celtics fans. It's just kind of brutal. I mean, I know it's the ironclad, oh, Paul George took two years to come back, and I get that might be, like, a tired excuse. But at the same time, like, what what do you expect from the dude? He literally snapped his leg in half. I get the fact that he's getting paid a fuck ton of money, and that's frustrating, and you have, like, Two of your best young players are wings, and we just drafted a couple young wings and guards. But, like, I don't, I don't know what else you can expect from the guy. No one predicted this to happen. I'm sure that he wants to be at an elite level, too. No one just likes to be this terrible and get all this flack. And I don't even think he's been that bad this year. Like, it's you just got to give him time. I think, like, Boston fans are just impatient when it comes to literally everything. Oh, yeah. The problem oh, yeah. is half of these fans are, like, fucking nine years old. Yeah, that too. That doesn't help. Well, no, that's a, that's been a thing. I mean, being in Boston and being a Boston fan my entire life, a lot of it for me was like jokingly like, oh, this guy's a bum. Like, trade him now. But like, I've had some serious like people come to me and was like, so we're trading Mookie Betts now because he's not good. I said, what? What do you mean he's not good? Like, that's just like how it is. If you're not succeeding and succeeding now, Boston wants you gone. Like that's just like the whole thing. We're a bunch of assholes. That's what we are. We're just a bunch of dickheads walking around thinking we deserve a lot of things. With our own intro music. With our own intro music, thinking they're important when they're just some twenty year old white kid who lives with his grandmother. It's not important. You're not that special. You're not that important. Here's a question. Here's a question. Are you that twenty year old white kid? Oh yes. Next question. Next question. No comment. (laughs) I'm just here so I don't get fined. I didn't inhale. (laughs) God. Okay, so um, I keep referencing this Keith Smith thing, but I just had a talk with him asking a bunch about next season. uh, Subtle flex. Subtle flex. A couple days ago. We get it like the Kings. Holy shit. (laughs) But but he was saying that he thinks Gordon – is possibly going to be the primary playmaker on this team because Kemba is not really that. Um, Kyrie was a better passer than Kemba, and Kemba works really well off ball. He does that yeah. better than Kyrie also. Um, and kind of when I thought about it a little bit, I think that him and Marcus are probably about even level passing-wise uh, skills, but I think Gordon being as big as he is, he's able to do kind of those skip passes to the weak side corner a little better than Marcus because he can kind of elevate and throw it over guys' heads, but I think that he's possibly the best passer on this team next year. Here's the That's pretty awesome, too. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Who do you think, going back to the general thing, do you think Gordon Hayward has a chance of outlasting Brown on this Celtics roster? Yeah, well, I think Jalen's make or break is next year, and so Gordon, Gordon still has though. two. Yeah. I mean... I'm just looking at it from the from the perspective of Kemba tried to recruit Gordon because he wanted to play with him. Brad recruited him because he wants to he wants Gordon playing under him. But part of the re- but part of the reason why Kemba came here and he's said a little bit. I mean, 
not to the extent that he talked about Hayward because he did say like he even was like yeah I tried to recruit him here and he signed an offer sheet like he clearly wants to play with Hayward but it's not like he hasn't said the same thing about Brown too to a lesser extent but he like back when the FIBA World Cup was in Africa like two years ago he went to go stay with Jalen and his family like in Africa yeah so it's not like there's no ties there I just I don't know. It really just works down to who they think is going to stay. Because, like, there, there are two big seasons coming up for both of those guys. And, I mean, if Hayward has a subpar season, he's going to opt into that fourth year. And if Jalen, you know, plays really well, he's going to be up for a massive extension. So, eventually, this team is going to have to decide. And I don't know how that decision is going to go, but... I have to imagine that, yeah, Kemba's opinion is going to factor into it. Adam has a really good point there. Yeah. And Brad. I feel like Brad Stevens is um is God, along with Jason Tatum. <laughs> uh, one's yeah. God. Brad's God, Jason's Jesus. <laughs> I'm just saying this. A lot of play The last few years, people have been saying, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, uh, not uh, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, saying, I want to play with Gordon Hayward. I love his game. You know, when we were younger, blah, blah, blah. I don't see many people saying, I want to play with LeBron. And people say they don't want to play with LeBron. So am I saying Gordon Hayward is better (laughs) than LeBron? Yeah. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) (sighs) All right. All right. I, I kind of, I, I kind of want to get into the uh, to the Jalen money a little bit. Uh, what sort of number do you think we're looking at here? Like, Levine's was a four year eighty, right? And do we feel like Jalen Brown is a better player than Levine? Probably, right? Because there, there's actually stuff on both sides. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, Jalen doesn't have the injury worries. That's true, and. Yeah, I think that probably if you were arguing upside, you would say that Jalen has it over Levine. Young Levine, too. yeah, and Levine doesn't do anything on the other side of the ball. He's become a great playmaker, actually, and that's something Jalen won't be able to do. But uh, the defensive end, Jalen's going to have him there. So I mean, is twenty-five million a year what you're giving him? Maybe it's like a four-year ninety. I, I don't know. And then again, like we talked about, does he take that or does he take Cleveland's four-year? 120 million dollars. He's seen this and thought if Ben Simmons is getting 170, I'm making 290. <laughs> Fuck. If people are paying Ben Simmons, then Jalen Brown's getting fucking paid, bro. Fuck. No. Well, J- ben Simmons is a way better player than Jalen Brown. Yeah, but like, Ben Simmons. Oh, but I Gordon agree. Hayward. But Gordon Hayward's a better player than LeBron James. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say there's one thing going for Simmons though is like, and it's like the one thing that he's constantly clowned for is his jumper. Like if he fixes his jumper, he's a much more complete player. Like it immediately raises his ceiling. A player like that has. That like the beauty of his game right now is like there's one clear flaw, and if he fixes that flaw, he's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, but like, like Philly's what, still paying him regardless. Yeah, but like Philly's paying him a fuck ton of money, I mean, and they still don't even know if it's gonna get fixed. Young King. Yeah, I think even without the jump shot, though, that maybe he's not a, quite a max guy, but he's he's damn good. Like he can play make and do everything on the offensive end except shoot, which I guess uh, is a very big asterisk. And defensively, but he was really good. Exactly. Yeah. I was just getting to he that. He's been a beast on defense. Yeah, oh, especially yeah. come playoffs. My only thing is that the reason I think Philly will regret regret that is because I don't see the fit next to Joel Embiid. And that's really well because he can't space the floor. Neither really can. Like Joel doesn't really shoot like Which that. Is yeah, why that's... Simmons needs to until Simmons changes his game, they're never going to amount to anything. It's the same thing I said about Russell Westbrook. Not in the same regard about spacing, but like Westbrook has a very specific way to play that stunts the players around him. So like it's this similar situation where like if they can't figure it out there, one of those guys is eventually going to either leave Philly or they're going to have to trade him for someone who spaces that floor. And I would bet it would be Simmons, but with that extension, who fucking knows? Yeah. And I think Russell and I Sorry. think Russell and Harden have a chance of actually working it out because they both accomplished all the shit there is to do individually, and at this point all they care about is winning. 
And they I, went I would, to a final too. I would assume, you know, that at this point, they'd be willing to sacrifice all this other shit. They got MVPs. They got scoring titles. You don't need that. At this point, you need rings. So they'll be willing to sacrifice. It's not the same for these young guys that are just on their rookie extensions. They also went to a finals together. Granted, it was a while ago, but, like, they were in the finals before. Like, they were there. They know what it feels like. They've both come really fucking close to being there again. So, and they have that, like, having that history between those two guys, and granted, they've both changed and grown so much since, like, their young playing days together. But, like, those are two guys that are two of the best players in the league. And if they can make it work, like, Houston really is going to be better than they were last year. Like, it, as, as much as it sucks to have to make that deal with Chris Paul and trade him, like, and you're getting an equally massive contract in return, they somehow managed to get better with that trade. I, I got better with that trade too. I just don't think. Do you guys see CP3 staying in OKC? No, I think it's Miami. I think Miami makes too much sense because uh, I don't. I do think CP3 is actually better than a lot of people are giving him shit for. I think his yeah. game, his game will age well. He's one of the best passers and pure point guards of all time. You just gotta um, stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, there's that, and the defense is not gonna is gonna take a jump off a cliff too. But I think Miami already decided they're going all in on right now by giving that Jimmy Butler four year. Why would you not just pair him with CP3? I think, and then all of the teammates can hate both of your stars. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be the most attitude team ever. The technicals. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy, like, what Miami's doing, too. I mean, at least they were able to get rid of Whiteside, but there's just so many things that happened this summer that I just did not see coming. Like, so much stuff. Like, the league is a a completely different landscape. And even, like, the teams that were, like, some of the best in the league, like, now are completely either in shambles or they lost some key pieces. Like, I still don't think, like, People realize how much of a big loss Philly, like losing JJ Redick was huge. Malcolm Brogdon leaving uh, for the Pacers, uh, it, leaving the Bucks is a, also a really big loss. And I don't think we're really going to see those big losses come into fruition until like we get into the playoffs and you're really testing your depth. Yeah. And Jimmy leaving too really is a big one for me in Philly because he was the closer. It wasn't like he took turns with the closing duty. When it hit the fourth quarter, like eight oh, minutes yeah. left, Jimmy had the ball every damn possession. So you're banking on the idea that I would guess Joel Embiid can become that yeah. guy. But honestly, I might even feel more comfortable with Tobias Harris being that guy right now. <laughs> I, I like Tobias Harris staying. And I think if obviously those were the two big guys. If you couldn't keep them both, I think Tobias Harris made the more most sense if you were yeah. going to build around because you want the spacing. And Jimmy Butler's a good player, but he succeeds most when he has the ball in his hands. And Ben Simmons needs the ball in his hands. And that was that was the thing where I think it wasn't the better player, but it was the better fit. I mean, we've been saying that for the past two months, ever since or month ever since Kyrie left. That's all we've been talking about is not the better player, but the better fit. So it's happening with our Celtics. That's one of those things where Tobias Harris can spot up. He can play off ball. You can give him the ball down low. He can do a lot of things offensively, which I think people don't really realize how like multifaceted he is offensively. And he can yeah. do it from all, from all different levels. He has really you know shot really well. The Clippers he broke out, but I think it was a better fit for him to stay in Philly because he can play off ball with Ben Simmons. He can go in the corner and he can keep him there, and it doesn't look weird, you know. Yeah, I, I got a question about about this Philly team and because obviously Big Al going over there, which we try to mention as little as possible. Uh, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna play the four. You know, he's usually yeah, a five, yeah. and Embiid is is our five. That's a little slow at getting up and down the floor. Simmons, like we said, has done a good job on defense, but can he guard like the fastest ones in the league? I don't know. Same with like, uh, can Tobias keep up with some of the quicker threes? Uh, since that's what he's going to be playing, do you think that you could run this Philly team off the floor? Uh, that's a that's a good question. I mean, in the half court setting, defensively, oh my god! Like, yeah, they're they're shit. insane. It's terrifying. Like, that's probably the two like two of the top five best down low defenders you have on your team, yeah. and you add Ben Simmons to that mix, who's been absolutely phenomenal the last couple seasons. 
Um, and then Josh Richardson is not that bad of a defender either on the perimeter, That's depending, right. on, depending on who they want to put out there. Like, if you... You're rolling out there and Tobias Harris is your worst defender. Like, that's pretty good. Like, you're doing a pretty good job. I think, uh, if anything, it's going to be a matter of running in transition on them. Yeah. Like, as good as Al Horford is defensively, too, like, you have to admit, even as a Celtics fan, like, there were parts where he was defensively lapsing. Like, the one thing that's going to help him in Philly is the fact you're going to be playing him next to Embiid. And on top of that, he's not going to have to cover Embiid in the playoffs. But if Philly ends up having a matchup where they're going either against Toronto or they're going against, more importantly, I think if they go against the Bucks, like, he's going to have some problems this year, especially if his knees are taking a beating. Yeah. So I, I know we've probably talked about this before, but now that we've had to got to digest it a little bit, where I, I mean I think that tell me if you guys agree, but Philadelphia and Milwaukee are above Boston. But right. after that, I mean, is it realistic to say we're third? I mean, who else are you looking at? Indiana that's not going to have Depot for a little while, even though they play hard. Uh, who am I missing? I mean, Toronto, I guess, because I don't I don't want to disrespect them. Because I do think they were really deep, but not having that guy. Champions no more. It's true. I mean, Tristan Thompson was saying, "Hey, the East still got to go through us with Cleveland." So <laughs> Lordy, <laughs> everyone went through Cleveland. <laughs> we so, went through Cleveland. I yeah. feel like the Bucks got worse this year, though. They did. Every, everyone but Kyrie, Cody. <laughs> yeah. I think. I I think everything that happened with the Bucks is going to affect them long term. I think keeping George Hill over Brogdon was a mistake. Um, I mean, you really have to look at how the rosters worked out, and you still have to account into how these rookies that everyone's drafted is going to impact everything. But, yeah, I, I think it's not a stretch of the imagination to say that Boston's their best in the East, at the very least, if they play up to their their potential. Um, I, I do think Toronto, as much as you want to respect them as they are the reigning champs, uh, they took a huge blow. I mean, they, Kawhi Leonard's gone. And you, you saw at certain points in the playoffs, especially their offense was fucking horrid without him. Yeah. Like even like with absurd, him sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Absurdly bad. Anyone like except Kawhi with the ball in their hands was just trash. Like they put it together against the bucks, but I mean, yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah. Like Tim said, if we meet our potential, yeah. I mean, this is a third of the be- third best team in the East type team. Um, I still think Indiana's better. Um, when Depot comes back and fully healthy, definitely. But I feel like last year we said that they're going to fall off a cliff, and they just stunk around. They didn't lose too many games, and they just stayed their course. And they ended up being a four seed, I think, uh, five seed. I think at the time he went down, they were a three or four seed. So they didn't fall off. They just kept their pace. We had Brogdon in that mix. Not saying Brogdon's a superstar, but I feel like they can. If the Celtics start struggling again, or you know, there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. There is, there always is every year, especially with you lose your best player and you add a whole different player and this, that, the other thing. I still think that I would go Indiana in the grand scheme of things. I think Celtics are a four seed. I could, if Brooklyn figures that with Kyrie, like then they could be a more talented team than we are. Uh, it's it's, it's <laughs> whoever snickered them was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, if, if they figure out with Kyrie, obviously, we saw a whole year of Kyrie. <laughs> That's just what that is. But I forgot about the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, exactly, I mean, they, have, they still have There's Houston, a team in Brooklyn? <laughs> I mean, even though they're not going to have KD, which is... Well, next year, it's going to hit us with a ton of breaks. Like, holy shit, they have KD. Yeah, so I'm getting my fucking jabs in while I can now. But, I mean, like, they still have... They still were a pretty decent team, and they would take D'Angelo Russell and replace him with Kyrie Irving. I mean, depend. I mean, that's an upgrade. Yeah, not so, in the locker room, it's not. I, I don't know. Maybe, he, maybe he's happier in Brooklyn, and he's going to be the leader we wanted him to be, and we'll have even more reason to hate him. But, I mean, I, I think we're a four seed right now. If the Brooklyn Nets figure it out, we could be a five seed. I mean, I, I do lo- obviously I love the Celtics and my team, but I'm I'm still still being realistic. I mean, we still a lot of our pieces are young guys that haven't proven a lot. I mean, our bench is basically half rookies if we're looking at the rotation the way we are. I mean, a lot of our good bench pieces who are going to be c- contributing a good amount of time on the floor are players that either haven't proved that they can do that in the past or are just super super young. That's just what it is. So I'm going to make a hot take today. I haven't done one for a while. 
We're going to finish first seed. We're going to have breakout seasons off Jalen oh. and Jason. And Gordon's going to average 18 points, six rebounds, and four assists a game. Oof. Oof. I'll, uh, I'll, I, it seems like I always edit these hot takes and then take my own little version of them when I agree. And I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to disagree with your first seed, but I think the Celtics will win the East. The Celtics will win everything and then lose in the finals to the Clippers. To the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> I still think it's so interesting that they got deep. Though, but, um, I think I think the Celtics have a really good chance to win the East, but a lot of it, as you said, is going to rely on Hayward coming back to what he needs to be. But I think with Kemba in the fold and adding kind of those feel good vibes, adding a better leadership in there, um, I, I think the Celtics have a really good chance. I think they're at the very Bare minimum, I think they can make the Easter Conference Finals this year. Carson Edwards will finish in the top five of Rookie of the Year voting. I agree with that. Dude, Carson Edwards could, like, bend steel with his thighs. <laughs> Holy shit. Have you seen those things? My issue here is that I got Brian Watermaker as my most improved player, so there's no Edwards I, I, minutes for me. I think, I think Brad's getting more minutes this year than Carson Edwards. I like Carson Edwards. But I think Brad Watermaker finally stepped because he played well. Like, he really times, did. Like when he did get his nits, I'm like, I want him in the game more than I want Terry Rozier. And people yeah. looked at me like I had seven eyes, and I said, No, I just have a third one right here, where this is the play that I need, and I need Brad Watermaker in the game. He he just runs the second unit so much better than Terry Rozier ever did. Yeah. So I kind of like Andre Ingram vibes from from Brad Watermaker. Brendan, I love your tweet from a minute ago. It's fantastic. <laughs> hey, I felt like I had a revelation during this. I was like, whoa, Philly's going to get screwed in transition defense. <laughs> so, boom, off goes the tweet. Yeah. So, guys, that's going to wrap us up for this week. Um, listen, guys, we're going to record this live every Saturday. The aim of this is for you guys to call in. It's free. Just download the app that we're on. I post the link every week. Jump on call, talk some shit with us, shout at us, do some it, just interact. And then we'll post it on a Monday as a normal podcast. Brendan and Cody and Tim are all awesome. So oh. most of, Cody's hilarious. Oh. Brendan tweets during <laughs> podcasts so you can stay up to date with his live tweets. That's my only good aspect. <laughs> yeah, now, Brendan's a really good Twitter follow. Like, not even <laughs> flex, even though we're like you're kind of married already. Like, Brendan's <laughs> a really good Twitter follow. Like, he pulls shit. Yet? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, like, he he pulls cool stuff. Yo, Cody's got. A you're thing my boy, Cody. Cody's got a thing for players' dicks. Yeah, no, I mean. I'm going to say this straight up honestly. I have some concerns. <laughs> if you don't question the size of Giannis's oh penis, my like, that's just God. a regular everyday thought. Like, that's a normal person. Call me gay. That's a normal person thought. Because I know one of you guys <laughs> have thought about it too. Like, that thing had to be at least two feet long. <laughs> I'm going to end it there. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Got me on a roll again, boys. Come on now. You know my weakness. Say bye, Brendan. Bye. <laughs> Bye.